Hello, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and today we bring you another edition of our special briefings, this time about a company in Australia that makes software for the world with a growing R&D base in India. Atlassian is probably not a very well-known company in India outside the world of software products. However, some of India's best-known companies use Atlassian's team collaboration software from Reliance Industries to Flipkart and Ola. Three years ago, Atlassian also set up its third global R&D center in Bangalore. That center has now grown into an 800-strong team with plans to hire hundreds more engineers. Atlassian was started 20 years ago in 2002 by a couple of 22-year-old college graduates, Mike Cannon Brooks and Scott Farquhar in Sydney, Australia because they didn't want regular jobs and thought starting up on their own would be more interesting. When the company listed on the Nasdaq in 2015, the founders became Australia's first tech billionaires. Mike Cannon-Brooks spoke to Forbes India last week about how Atlassian has grown through the pandemic and his plans ahead for the centre at India, which has emerged as the fastest growing talent location for the company. Here's more from that conversation. Mike, uh, brilliant that you were able to make time to uh, join us uh, for this conversation with Forbes India. Uh, You're, of course, a very well-known enterprise today in the tech world. Uh, And of course, uh, in India today, there's a lot of excitement uh, about startups and uh, the whole entrepreneurial journey of successful entrepreneurs and so on. So it would be great uh, uh, to start with, uh, you know, even briefly for you to tell us about, uh, you know, the original idea that uh, got you starting Atlassian. Uh, You were a startup once. And then maybe after that, I'll have some follow-on questions. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Look, firstly, thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Uh, And thank you to everyone for for listening. Atlassian's original idea, um, look, we have a a unique story. Um, Both Scott and I, uh, our original founding idea was we didn't want to get a real job. Uh, so we thought starting our own uh, business sounded more interesting than that. And uh, we quickly realized we had to actually build something. We tried a few different things, tried uh, providing support for other people's products, and that didn't work so well. And then we uh, built our own software products, which uh, turns out is, is a far better business than supporting someone else's. Um, and uh, that led us down the path of being a product company in terms of uh, what we do. Uh, So Atlassian makes enterprise software products now for teams all around the world. Uh, Our mission is to unleash the potential of every team. And we make uh, project management, productivity and communication tools for um, lots of different types of teams and different functions from engineering and software teams through to, you know, finance, HR and marketing teams in in large organizations. I would say it took us probably uh, most of the first five years to kind of land on that uh, target market and target segment and, um, and and figure out our DNA and business model of doing that. And we've been pretty driven towards that mission ever since. So we're about 20 years old at this stage. Mm. Uh, today, of course, uh, you're, you're a large company and you're a celebrated uh, tech company in Australia. Um, and, and I guess the biggest thing that's happened over the last two years roughly now is, is the COVID pandemic. Uh, and, and you've talked about it, uh, including about uh, mental health and so on. But 
Can you talk about what COVID uh, did to your business and that of your customers? Sure. Look, I mean, the the last 18 months have been unusual, I assume, for every single business out there. Uh, Atlassian, not unique in that, um, and also for our our customers. Um, From a business perspective, the, the biggest change probably... Um, other than all of the, the dealing with the, the ups and downs in different geographies, we have uh, staff in, uh, well, major offices in eight or nine countries now and, and staff in many more than that. So we've been managing our own team's uh, uh, challenges, uh, different, different countries affected at different times. Now that's been a big change for us. And secondly, we, um, we moved to a structure called Team Anywhere, Mm. Uh, so uh, back in August of last year, we announced that uh, staff uh, no longer had to come back to an office. So it's now every Atlassian's choice as to whether to work in an office or um, from their house or from their location, wherever that may be. Um, that was a pretty big change and we're still working through that. Uh, it's let us hire a much more diverse workforce uh, all around the world. Um, from, a, from a customer point of view, Look, the biggest changes has been um, helping them transition to remote work. Uh, a lot of our customers uh, are in various forms of transition, and we see that in our applications themselves. Uh, our customers help um, our products, I should say, help our customers do all sorts of different things. Um, multiple of the uh, global vaccine uh, creators have used Atlassian applications to, to make the vaccines. Uh, that we didn't have 12 months ago for this disease we didn't know about 18 months ago. Um, you know, logistics companies have used our uh, software to organize, you know, billions of, of deliveries and all sorts of other things. But as those businesses are incredibly digital, they have had to pivot very fast at the same time as their staff have been working from home or working for different locations or just challenging office environments. And so uh, our applications have been integral to a lot of our customers in doing that remote work. Uh, we, you know, we build applications that help teams collaborate. And so when your teams are uh, taxed or trying to do something incredibly important, like uh, making a vaccine in a very short period of time, uh, you need collaboration even more than you did beforehand. So we see that in the, in the usage of our applications going up and uh, customers requiring them. Um, there's some some pros and cons in that. So we've seen both internally and at customers, we can can look at some some data about customer workdays and when they use the applications. And as we look at our traffic patterns around the world, um, we're seeing longer workdays. So about 30 minutes extra per day uh, on average uh, as a result of the changes in location. Uh, still trying to dig into what exactly that means, but but certainly see that in changing work patterns of customers. Mm. Um, it might be they're not commuting as much, so they have more time. And maybe, you know, if they had a one-hour commute, they divide that half between the workday and half between family or other pursuits. I'm not exactly sure yet. We're still uh, looking at that. But um, there's certainly patterns we've observed in our customers' work that's changed. Would you say that uh, Atlassian's products uh, became uh, that much more relevant because of the pandemic? Uh, I think we've certainly seen our usage, customer usage go up. So a lot of our products enable you to do asynchronous work, whether it be Trello or Confluence. Um, and when you're in a office environment, uh, you can go into a meeting room, if you like, with a whiteboard to resolve things. When you're remote, you either require a lot more online meetings, a Zoom or whatever it may be, 
to try to do the same thing, or you work more asynchronously. So you spend more time writing a document in advance or preparing your Trello board and then less time actually working through it because you want to have shorter meetings on Zoom. Um, that has led to more uh, activity in our products. We can see that people come back more often. They use them more times during the week as they are uh, more remote. So I guess you would say that makes our products more, more relevant, more uh, connected to employees. Um, and also their need for that sort of, you know, in Confluence's case, uh, asynchronous uh, writing is, is that much more important than it has been uh, beforehand. Mm. And uh, on the growth, I mean, as uh, your latest uh, report of a quarter, as you called it, uh, seems to reflect that increased uh, relevance. Can you uh, dive into that a little bit? What were the factors that contributed to that strong growth? Um, look, I mean, we, we're in three, three major markets for our, our customers. Um, first is in the software and agile DevOps space. So helping teams at companies to, to write, uh, deploy uh, and manage uh, software creation, which is an incredibly important uh, aspect of almost any business nowadays. Uh, second big market is in IT, uh, so uh, the general management of IT operations and IT service management. Um, that um, is getting closer to software and is a very large growth market. And our third big market is in what we call work management for all teams. So um, collaboration applications for uh, every single team out there, be it marketing or HR or finance or software, um, all three of those sectors we have is growing very strongly um, and is uh, we see we see customer growth across all three. And Atlassian's unique strength is actually to be able to connect the, the digitization of your business, so your software and IT teams, um, to uh, every other team in the business. And as, um, you know, we are driving hopefully and, and riding a, a giant wave of businesses becoming more digital and faster to respond as, as their environments change. Uh, that's driving more usage of our, of our products and, and more customer growth. So um, we're, in a, we're in a really exciting spot. Mm. And in terms of uh, longer term outlook, uh, how should we read uh, the very strong performance in your uh, June quarter? What's the significance? Oh, look, I think, uh, you know, quarters, um, uh, we tend to be a very long-term focused company. So uh, we're very clear on uh, what our strengths are as a business uh, in our business model and in our uh, focus on what we call the Fortune 500,000. So we uh, believe that we will be a better software company and be able to serve, um, uh, serve the world better, I suppose, if we have a very large scale of customers so uh, we had a very strong uh, customer number last quarter as we have for the last few quarters, um, but we're, uh, we've just passed 200,000 customers, so 200,000 businesses that use our software around the world. And uh, we're a long way off that, uh, that Fortune 500,000. So we'll keep, uh, keep chasing that down. Uh, and that's a, you know, that's a multi-year or a, a multi-decade mission to do that. We're mm. still, still on that same mission. Mm. Yeah, so I, I was just going to say that this uh, strong uptake amongst your customers uh, is juxtaposed with your own transition to becoming a, a cloud-first, cloud-native company. Uh, give us an update on that. Where are you at today, uh, and how does it how does the transition position you for the future? 
Sure. I think it, look, it's, um, it's interesting you use the word juxtaposition. I think it's actually, it's a very customer led transition for us because um, we see more and more, uh, well, well over nine out of 10 customers that come to our business today, uh, choose the cloud services. Um, we can make, uh, uh, create, improve and run and operate our cloud services much more cost-effectively uh, at scale than uh, our customers can run uh, their own software. Uh, we can do that more securely. We can do that with more scale. So from a customer point of view, there are huge benefits in um, cloud software and in, in running software as, uh, as a service. Uh, we've heard our customers loud and clear. And so we've been on uh, a very long-term journey to, um, to serve those customers in their needs as those customers are evolving. Again, we see this large-scale customer shift from on-premise software to uh, SaaS-based applications. Uh, and that's a non-trivial change. There's a lot of security and compliance and regulations and data residency and scale and um, a whole lot of different things that need to be changed when you're running software as a service. So we're well into that, uh, that transition for our business and for our customers, but uh, we always like to be customer-led uh, in terms of, of how we do that. It's our job to be ready um, you know, where and when they want us to be there uh, to provide them with those, uh, with those applications. Hmm. Would you say that in the broader sense, the ongoing effort uh, is to bring software development and development of technology in general uh, closer as, as close as possible to uh, business operations? Where would you say that is headed? And uh, what is the role you see for Atlassian in that context? I think you're certainly seeing that. I think you, there's two sort of major, you know, major changes going on that, that are colliding in, in getting to that effect that you describe. Um, the first is, is broadly just digitization or digital transformation. So what does that mean if you unpack it? What it means is that increasingly the core competitive advantage of any business is becoming technology-driven, software-driven, digital-driven. Um, and that means if you're a bank, you know, it's obviously it's online banking more than branches. If you're a, a, a manufacturing company, it's how your supply chain is digital and you're using software and management technologies to, to do that. If you're uh, producing something in a factory, how, how digital is that factory? How uh, automated is it? And how much can you retool and move the factory around to respond to changing market needs in your products? Um, that digitization really puts technology and software and the creation of that by a business at its core um, sort of competitive strength. So I, I always like to say that your business is either going to become a software company or it's probably likely to perish um, because there are a lot of technology companies that are trying to do what your business does well at the same time as your business is trying to do software and one or the other is going to win in each, uh, in each space. That is certainly meaning number one, businesses need to create a lot more of their own technology that's very bespoke to what it is that their business does, whether it's making a pizza or making a car or providing you know, financial services. That requires them to hire not just engineers, but product managers, uh, designers, experience uh, uh, creators, um, program managers, all sorts of different skills into that business to create that technology. But it requires a very deep connection to the business to the analysts or whatever function inside your business is actually deciding what products to create and how that's blended. 
And one of Atlassian's strengths has always been connecting software teams and technology teams to operations teams, but all the way through to business teams, uh, be they in, in marketing and to, just to communicate and, and, and you know, amplify some sort of message about what the product is or finance in terms of understanding how the product should be created or some sort of analytical you know, business leader function who's trying to decide what the product needs to be. Um, our core strength in those three markets that we have is about trying to connect them together. You have to not only build the technology, you have to build the right technology that your customers need that helps them solve some sort of problem. Uh, you have to operate that technology often. And you also have to connect that technology to the other parts of your business in marketing or sales or service or finance to, um, to communicate that technology to the outside world. And then you have to go and do that again. So this loop is moving faster and faster uh, as every business is uh, transforming to become ever more digital. And that puts Elastin at a pretty pivotal spot in, uh, in the current sort of transitions we see in the world. This acceleration of uh, digitalization of uh, companies across industries, what does it do to uh, agile development and DevOps? Uh, and uh, in that context, uh, what role do you see for Atlassian in catalyzing uh, the next phase of evolution of Agile and DevOps? Look, um, certainly DevOps is a very important movement. Uh, we're seeing increasingly the, uh, you know, the word come to fruition. It's a term that's been around a long time. Um, the way I like to think about that is you see a lot more IT and operations functions that are effectively writing software to manage their operations. You also see a lot more software teams that are responsible for operating the applications that they create. They don't sort of write them and hand them over to IT to operate. They're actually writing and operating. And so you're seeing both sides you know, coming together. Um, one of the role Atlassian plays in, in catalyzing that is across our uh, family of products, giving you a uh, a single pane of glass, as we like to call it. So we're one of the only vendors, I, I would argue the only vendor in the world that can give you a single pane of glass that runs across your, um, your creative teams, your technology teams, and your operations teams to allow them to work together efficiently to create products and make products and improve products that your customers need, but also operate them and provide those, those services to your customers. Um, doing that in a single environment is is extremely rare and extremely hard to do, and that's that's the biggest catalyst we play in that uh, in that world at the moment. Hmm. Uh, give us a sense of how the overall uh, Atlassian ecosystem is uh, growing. What are the uh, most important ways in which the adoption of your software is uh, happening? I mean, there's channel partners, there's a marketplace. Sure. Yeah, we have. Um, look, we have one of the largest economies uh, around Atlassian of any business-to-business uh, uh, -business, uh, SaaS vendor. Uh, we have a very large marketplace now, which has more than 5,000 different applications, uh, integrations from over 1,000 different vendors that allow people to uh, extend, change, add on to our applications, our family of applications in, in very tailored and custom ways. Uh, extensibility has long been one of the hallmarks of our software, and we've continued to take that into the cloud. At the same time, on the non-technical side, we have a very large uh, channel partnership program that 
is, is not really a, a, about reselling our applications as much as solving business problems with them. So tailoring Atlassian's applications for various customer needs, um, taking that extensibility and customizing the software for uh, individual business purposes. They channel knows an awful lot about their, their customers and what their problems are and how Atlassian's applications with, with others and other integrations can help solve uh, those problems. Uh, it's, it's long been a goal of ours to have more people working full-time on Atlassian applications outside the building of Atlassian than, than inside the building. Uh, I think we've, we've sort of well eclipsed that mark a while ago. And, um, you know, in the economy, we always think about our, uh, our role as sort of building a broader platform to solve a whole series of business problems uh, with our software being one piece of that, uh, of that platform that the, um, our partners of all, of all types uh, solution partners, channel partners, technology partners take into customers to help them uh, improve their businesses. Hmm. Uh, I also want to ask you about uh, acquisitions. I mean, um, Trello is probably the best known one, uh, but um, I, I read somewhere that you've done 30 plus acquisitions in the last 10 odd years. Uh, there was Think Tilt in April. What's your approach to uh, acquisitions? Yeah, look, acquisitions has always been an important part of our of our uh, business. Um, I would say, look, we have a a pretty strong philosophy that you know uh, all of the best ideas aren't inside the building, um, but all of the best ideas also can't be outside the building. So, uh, about half or a bit over half our product set came from uh, internally built applications or very small teams, you know, one or two uh, engineer teams that we acquired. And, uh, and invested in very heavily. And about half our product family came from, from acquisitions at some point along in history. So we've always been very good at, uh, at both creating and building applications and then also uh, acquiring and growing and investing um, in that. Look, uh, we've been very pragmatic about it. Uh, if, if it makes sense for that team and that company and uh, the Atlassian family and our platform and our, our resources can take their application to a, a larger audience than they ever could, then it's it's a good candidate. Um, we've always put culture first. So the number one on our acquisition checklist is always, is it a good culture fit? Um, I'm a deep believer that all technology is really just built by people at the end of the day. And so culture is incredibly important. Uh, acquisitions are incredibly uh, stressful and difficult events on any company's culture. Uh, on both sides. And so, you know, if, if there's not a cultural fit at the start, it's it's very, very challenging to make an acquisition work successfully for anybody. And then it's, it's you know, it's bad for everybody. So, you know, we've placed culture at the start and then, you know, we look at technology in the market and the application and um, the team and the time and, and a whole bunch of other factors. But uh, we've got a pretty good track record so far. And uh, obviously we'll look to continue that. Mm. Uh, on, on India, um... Have you been able to visit India uh, for a number of times? When when was the first time you came? I have a fair fair number of times. Yes, I uh, I came on my honeymoon. I spent a fair bit of time in India on my honeymoon uh, twelve more years ago, and then uh, been back a series of times on vacations and uh, trips and for work, and then uh, obviously having had an office there for the last three uh, three and a bit years. Um, you know, there's there's more. Uh, I guess even more work reasons to visit than there were before. So um, 
big big fan of the country and, and would love to spend more time obviously in the pandemic it's harder to travel but uh um, no definitely it's a very special place from the time that you set up the bangalore center in 2018 uh, gives a sense of how work in india has uh, ramped up yeah look it's been it's been fantastic um we um look we knew with the engineering talent in in, in india that it would be a um a place that very much aligned with our long term goals uh, obviously being australian we know a lot about the indian cultures a lot of uh, indian um you know diaspora down here in, in australia and uh we we see you guys in the cricket frequently <laughs> so we uh you know there's a lot of sort of commonality of spirit and we understand uh, a little bit about that sort of thing so you, you know we thought culturally there's there's a good match there um and you know 3 years later it's been it's been a huge success for us uh, as an office and as a location um we pretty stoked we're in the top 20 uh great places to work in india this year uh we have more than 800 uh employees and and hiring hundreds more uh you know r&d engineers in the next year um atlassian has a very high um spending on r&d so part of our business model is to spend one of the highest amounts of revenue on research and development in you know on the whole of the nasdaq uh well over 30 35% of revenue is spent on r&d and so having the best uh engineering talent innovation um creativity and uh, you know designers product managers all all uh, manner of people that go into the r&d function um we you know we want to do really meaningful work in india and um it's it, it's had a truly global impact on our business so it's uh, it's sort of an essential part of our uh global r&d force at the moment can you uh dive into that a bit more give us a sense of what you started with in bangalore and today what are you uh, able to deliver out of bangalore sure i mean we started with uh one or two um groups there one or two functions uh we were very clear that we wanted to move meaningful work um we want to make sure that all of our, our countries and locations and increasingly time zones as we move to a team anywhere uh had had meaningful work and and were really contributing to the broader atlassian group um a lot of our marketplace and ecosystem work happens out of india a lot of our um it uh, uh products for the it market are built out of india uh, as well as a lot of our commerce and backend uh, systems and increasingly large parts of our cloud uh, platform and infrastructure which is as we move to becoming a saas company we have more and more products in the family but we increasingly build them on a common a common core a common base infrastructure um and huge parts of that are, are built in uh in the uh, bangalore office mm. uh on becoming a saas company what what do you make of india's uh, uh you know sort of emerging saas uh, ecosystem oh i think it's fantastic i think it's um obviously you know uh, the the local ecosystem has has direct access to the fantastic talent that you have there in india um and uh a very pan asian uh view and then an increasingly a global view so you know you see some fantastic uh saas companies coming out of india and uh and targeting the world right not just targeting the indian audience or even the the southeast asian audience but targeting um you know the the global uh global audience 
And uh, obviously, you know, with such a strong connection to Silicon Valley and the technology industry in general, uh, I think it's uh, that the local SaaS, SaaS market in India has a, has a very bright future. Mm. Uh, I mean, in terms of uh, R&D and uh, maturity of the work that you're able to uh, deliver out of Bangalore, uh, but also broadly in terms of the overall SaaS ecosystem in India, uh, what are some of the things that you feel might be still missing or if not missing, probably would take more time to mature? Um, look, I think any any ecosystem, and we see this in Australia, it's, it's, it's similar. We've kind of grown up as a global ecosystem, you know, similar, similar rates. Um, the, the individualized teams and creation of products is uh, usually the first thing that happens. It's the scaling of that that happens. So the more experience you have locally with a large scale of engineering groups or company groups, uh, that is a different type of talent. So it's not managing 10 engineers, it's managing 100 or managing 1,000. And how many companies are managing 1,000 engineers that then have that sort of scaling talent uh, that helps go through? Um, and you see that developing a lot over the last couple of years, and I'm sure it will continue to do so as, uh, as the ecosystem grows. Hmm. You already mentioned uh, having uh, several customers in India. Uh, today, how does India look to you as a market uh, for Atlassian's products? Yeah, it's look, it's a, it's a bit of a side benefit of being there, but it's always been a pretty strong market for us, actually. Um, uh, the, you know, the rise of a lot of those technology companies, both the sort of global Indian SaaS companies, but also the local uh, companies like, like Flipkart that are uh, focused on the local Indian market. Uh, obviously, any... Uh, technology company or any any larger scale business is a, is a potential customer for Atlassian. And uh, we've always had a very strong customer market there. Um, it's only been accelerated by having uh, staff and a presence on the ground. And uh, that's, you know, it's 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 really been good. Hmm. Would, would you say India is among your uh, top 10 markets, top five markets? Where is it at? Um, I actually don't know off the top of my head. I know it's one of the, I know it's one of the fastest growing, uh, faster growing companies in, in our Asian segment, as we define it. Uh, I don't know on a, on an individualized customer, uh, sorry, com- country basis, uh, uh, where it falls, but I know it's one of the, it's one of the faster growing countries in, uh, in the, the entire sort of Asian and Asian Pacific region. Mm. Okay, outside of COVID and uh, those kinds of uh, happenings uh, in the tech world, uh, obviously the the rise of AI uh, software and related technologies uh, becoming more mainstream uh, is something that's really important. So what does that mean uh, for Atlassian? For sure. Look, I, I um, the, way, the way I think about that is, is firstly, you need two things. Firstly, you need a large amount of data for any sort of uh, AI, machine learning, smarts, whatever you want to call it. Um, as Atlassian grows, you know, managing that data and magic for customers is, is incredibly challenging, but that's, that's a, a part of the challenge there. Uh, the second thing is um, we long have a philosophy that the customers shouldn't need to care what we're doing. So... Uh, we have a lot of very smart features that rely on AI, machine learning, and all sorts of other things based and trained on the, the large amount of data we have uh, for the customer. But 
they just get better answers. They get a better experience. Uh, they don't need to know uh, how much is uh, going on behind the scenes. And we just judge whatever question they asked our software or whether it's, um, you know, they're assigning things to a user or they're mentioning somebody or they're um, looking for a service desk, uh, whatever it is, we should just give them better and better answers. And we utilize all of those technologies to give them the best answers possible. Uh, and we analytically measure really carefully. Are we giving them better answers every day? And are they getting quicker at, uh, at doing those sorts of things? So from a customer point of view, that's sort of our philosophy and how we've um, gone about it the last few years. I'm glad to say we continue to give better answers to our customers every every day, hopefully. And, uh, and that's sort of really resonating, although they don't necessarily know that that's happening for them. Um, the other thing that's interesting on when you think about AI and software is just um, as people work remotely, uh, how do we do a better job at actually connecting um, knowledge work into AI, right? A lot of AI and machine learning has been used in uh, robotics, in other areas that are highly data intensive. Uh, I think it's a more emerging field when you look at more creative knowledge work. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of thinking going on there about how can we use AI to improve not just the answers that people are given, uh, the sort of the data challenge, but uh, their, their creativity, their ability to, to do knowledge work and, uh, you know, ultimately the or efficiency or effectiveness of their day. So, you know, we spend a lot of time working on a lot of those things, but from a customer's point of view, we would hope that they, they don't notice other than a slightly more pleasurable and, and satisfying experience every day. Uh, if you look at uh, Atlassian three or five years on from now, uh, and in the context of you know coming together of cloud computing, even more powerful processing at the edge, uh, development of AI in this time, uh, what do you think Atlassian will be like uh, five years on? Uh, look, I think edge computing is going to be incredibly important. AI, machine learning. I, I hope that we are... Uh, five years from now, we're just still incredibly focused on our customers. Uh, and I really mean that, like we can use all of those technologies to provide them with a better experience, help them run projects, help give them insights to run their teams better, help them uh, 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 create and, and manage documents uh, better. But we, you know, it's our job to bring those technologies to bear on their problems. Uh, it's, Broadly put, we're just trying to improve their experience and help solve more problems for them. Uh, I'm hopeful that five years from now, we will uh, be well past uh, the 200,000 customer mark we're at, uh, which is somewhat of a marker of the, you know, the, the impact we're having on, on those customers and, and what problems we're helping them solve. So onward, onward and upward. Hmm. Uh, so what are your uh, biggest challenges um, as you stand here today? Look, I mean, the, the biggest challenge we have at the moment is for sure is COVID uh, and its effects on everything about the business uh, in terms of uh, affecting our people and our, our staff and their, their mental health, their, their challenge of, of, of coming to work or getting to work in some cases or managing, um, you know, kids uh, doing school from home or whatever it may be. Uh, that That is certainly a challenge and that's, that's far from over. I think we're seeing that in different uh, variants in different parts of the world. And, and it's going to be something that we're going to have to continue to, to manage and deal with and, 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 um, and confront for, I think, a while yet. Uh, 
you know, beyond that, our biggest challenge as a business is always uh, attracting and, um, you know, growing the, the, the people that we have. As I said, all, all technology is built by people. So uh, fundamentally, the quality of people we can uh, attract to Atlassian, uh, the work we can give them to do, the autonomy and the uh, creativity with which they can attack those tasks is uh is a is a non-trivial challenge it continues to be so and um you know we continue to uh attack that challenge as i said uh being in the top top 20 places to work in in india is a fantastic achievement of how we've done just as an example in that country in the last few years but um you know we're going to have to stay there and hopefully move up uh, those type of rankings to keep uh, attracting and growing uh, the talent that we have to to have a bigger impact on uh, on the world. Mm. Uh, you're also uh, uh, an outspoken proponent of uh, the need to accelerate uh, the switch to renewables and sustainable technologies and so on. Uh, are you? Would you say you're still an optimist that humanity will actually be able to overcome the climate change crisis? Um, Am I an optimist? That's a good question. I believe we will overcome the climate change crisis. I believe it will take an incredible amount of work and smarts and thinking, and uh, there's no shortage of challenges there. Um, but we will we will have to overcome <laughs> that, uh, or we will all be in deep deep trouble, or we won't be here at all. So yes, I believe we uh, we can do that. I think we have the technologies. I think we have the um you know the engineering and the and the science and the technology problems are solved uh we increasingly need to solve the economic and and people problems that come with that rather than the you know the sort of science and technology problems actually the, the science and technology parts are the easy easy parts to solve it's it's getting that deployed and and dealing with incumbent interests and um having people understand the opportunities that that brings and that's um that's that's the largest part of uh, of my focus anyway is, is getting to that point. Fantastic. Uh, Mike, uh, great that you were able to make time and uh, thank you for this uh, chance for this uh, wonderful conversation. Uh, and I hope to keep the conversation going. Uh, thank you again. Hey, no worries. Thank you very much. And I hope uh, hope we can meet in person uh, when I can get to India, hopefully sometime, uh, maybe, maybe next year. That was Mike Cannon-Brooks. That's it for this special briefing. I'll be back with my regular tech briefing tomorrow. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.